Letter Three of Letters on England by Voltaire, edited by Henry Morley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shire Arrowsmith. Letters on England by Voltaire. Letter Three on the Quakers. You have already heard that the Quakers date from Christ, who, according to them, was the first Quaker. Religion, say these, was corrupted a little after his death, and remained in that state of corruption about sixteen hundred years. But there were always a few Quakers concealed in the world, who carefully preserved the sacred fire, which was extinguished in all but themselves, until at last this light spread itself in england in sixteen forty two it was at the time when great britain was torn to pieces by the intestine wars which three or four sects had raised in the name of god that one george fox born in leicestershire and son to a silk weaver took it into his head to preach and as he pretended with all the requisites of a true apostle, that is, without being able either to read or write. He was about twenty-five years of age, irreproachable in his life and conduct, and a holy madman. He was equipped in leather from head to foot, and travelled from one village to another, exclaiming against the war and the clergy. Had his invectives been levelled against the soldiery only, he would have been safe enough, but he inveighed against the ecclesiastics. Fox was seized at Derby, and being carried before a justice of peace, he did not once offer to pull off his leathern hat, upon which an officer gave him a great box of the ear and cried to him, don't you know you are to appear uncovered before his worship fox presented his other cheek to the officer and begged him to give him another box for god's sake the justice would have had him sworn before he asked him any questions no friend says fox to him that i never swear the justice observing he thee'd and thou'd him sent him to the house of correction in derby with orders that he should be whipped there fox praised the lord all the way he went to the house of correction where the justice's order was executed with the utmost severity the man who whipped his enthusiast were greatly surprised to hear him beseech them to give him a few more lashes for the good of his soul there was no need of entreating these people the lashes were repeated for which fox thanked them very cordially and began to preach at first the spectators fell laughing but they afterwards listened to him and as enthusiasm is an epidemical distemper many were persuaded and those who scourged him became his first disciples being set at liberty he ran up and down the country with a dozen proselytes at his heels 
still declaiming against the clergy, and was whipped from time to time. Being one day set in the pillory, he harangued the crowd in so strong and moving a manner that fifty of the auditors became his converts, and he won the rest so much in his favour that his head being freed tumultuously from the hole where it was fastened, the populace went and searched for the Church of England clergyman, who had been chiefly instrumental in bringing him to this punishment, and set him on the same pillory where Fox had stood. Fox was bold enough to convert some of Oliver Cromwell's soldiers, who thereupon quitted the service and refused to take the oaths. Oliver, having as great a contempt for a sect which would not allow its members to fight, as Sixtus Quintus had for another sector, Dovinonci Chiamava, began to persecute these new converts. The prisons were crowded with them, but persecution seldom has any other effect than to increase the number of proselytes. These came, therefore, from their confinement, more strongly confirmed in the principles they had imbibed, and followed by their jailers, whom they had brought over to their belief. But the circumstances which contributed chiefly to the spreading of this sect were as follows. Fox thought himself inspired, and consequently was of opinion that he must speak in a manner different from the rest of mankind. He thereupon began to writhe his body, to screw up his face, to hold in his breath, and to exhale it in a forcible manner, insomuch that the priestess of the Pythian god at Delphus could not have acted her part to better advantage. Inspiration soon became so habitual to him that he could scarce deliver himself in any other manner. This was the first gift he communicated to his disciples. These apt very sincerely their master's several grimaces, and shooking every limb the instant the fit of inspiration came upon them, whence they were called Quakers. The vulgar attempted to mimic them. They trembled, they sparked through the nose, they quaked, and fancied themselves inspired by the Holy Ghost. The only thing now wanting was a few miracles, and accordingly they wrought some. Fox, this modern patriarch, spoke thus to a justice of peace before a large assembly of people. Friend, take care what thou dost. God will soon punish thee for persecuting his saints. This magistrate, being one who besotted himself every day with bad beer and brandy, died of an apoplex two days after, the moment he had assigned a mitimus for imprisoning some Quakers. The sudden death with which this justice was seized was not ascribed to his intemperance, but was universally looked upon as the effect of the holy man's predictions, so that this accident made more converts to Quakerism than a thousand sermons and as many shaking fits could have done. Oliver, finding them increase daily, was desirous of bringing them over to his party, 
and for that purpose attempted to bribe them by money however they were incorruptible which made him one day declare that this religion was the only one he had ever met with that had resisted the charms of gold the quakers were several times persecuted under charles the second not upon a religious account but for refusing to pay the tithes for theeing and thouing the magistrates and for refusing to take the oaths enacted by the laws at last robert barclay a native of scotland presented to the king in sixteen seventy five his apology for the quakers a work as well drawn up as the subject could possibly admit the dedication to charles the second is not filled with mean flattering encomiums but abounds with bold touches in favour of truth and with the wisest consuls thou hast tasted says he to the king at the close of his epistle dedicatory of prosperity and adversity thou knowest what it is to be banished thy native country to be overruled as well as to rule and sit upon the throne and being oppressed thou hast reason to know how hateful the oppressor is both to god and a man if after all these warnings and advertisements thou dost not turn unto the lord with all thy heart but forget him who remembered thee in thy distress and give up thyself to follow lust and vanity surely great will be thy condemnation against the witch snare as well as the temptation of those that may or do feed thee and prompt thee to evil the most excellent and prevalent remedy will be to apply thyself to that light of christ which shineth in thy conscience which neither can nor will flatter thee nor suffer thee to be at ease in thy sins but doth and will deal plainly and faithfully with thee as those that are followers thereof have plainly done thy faithful friend and subject robert barclay a more surprising circumstance is that this epistle written by a private man of no figure was so happy in its effects as to put a stop to the persecution end of letter three recording by cheyenne arrowsmith